Well, I want to welcome our satellites. Thankful for all the people who um, watch us online. Thankful for our San Diego satellite. And seven of them have already registered for retreat. So glad they're coming up. Bring that sunshine with you from San Diego. We're excited uh, that they'll be joining us. If you have your study guide, turn to page 37 um, because the Romans 8 is there. And actually the notes page, I think, is on page 47. But we're going to be looking at Romans 8 together. And so that passage, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it It's there, so if you want to look at it with me, that'd be great. We've been in Romans 6, we've been in Romans 7, we've been looking at the fact that um, we have been born into what Paul would say, a a nature of sin, Um, but that nature has been conquered in Christ. That's the good news. That's what the Christian faith is all about, is that God came, he sent his son to rescue us, and we're free. And Paul is just wanting to say that. He says it redundantly. We're free, we're free, we're free, you're free. You've been set free, you've been set free, you've been set free. And then chapter 7, he goes, but (laughs) we've been set free from sin, but we still get kind of sideways with sin, right? We're living in an in-between time where Christ has come and he has conquered sin, He he has given us opportunity to be freed from the mastery of sin. Uh, But we still get oppressed by sin a little bit, right? We still have an enemy. We talked about that last week. And and so Paul is is leading us now to how do we we live in this in-between time? How do we live and how do we, in a sense, battle sin and live uh, in alignment, in relationship with God? And we said this last week, that the beauty for the Christian is that we do not, um, we do, we, the, the beauty for the Christian is we battle from victory, not for victory, right? We know that, that Christ has already been victorious. So we're not fighting for a victory, we're fighting from a victory to live out what is true. And this is where change starts, it starts here. It starts from that place of victory. And then Paul is going to go into Romans 8, and he's going to give us, I think, some wonderful encouragement and tools for life with God in Christ. So let me pray, and uh, we'll look at Romans 8. Father, thank you that you are, uh, you're not a God who came and then left you're a God who came and you stayed. You sent your spirit and you are with us and in us and you have so much for us and we are not stuck and I pray this morning that your spirit would come and instruct us and lead us and encourage us and I pray it In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, Paul says this, therefore, of course, he's, whenever you see a therefore, when you're reading the scripture, you ask, what's it there for? And he's really pointing back to Romans 1 through 7. Because of what Christ has done for you, because of the victory that is in Jesus, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation if you are in Christ. It does not exist. But some of us are living as if we're flowing in and out of condemnation. I'm here at Bible study, so no condemnation right now. All the Jesus feels, right? But then I'm going to go to the bank, and I'm going to get angry at the banker, and I'm going to be ticked off, and so now there's condemnation. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to say something to my spouse or to my friend. Now there's condemnation. But the truth of life in Christ is that there is no condemnation. It does not exist. There is no point where God finds you useless. There is no point where God is looking and putting shame upon you. There is no condemnation. You have been set free. Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. Basically saying, you, you were not going to get gooder by trying to keep all the commands. You were never going to keep all the law. You couldn't do it. Because here's what happened. As soon as somebody, because of the sin nature in us, as soon as someone said, don't, you said, I must. It's powerless. The law was powerless because it was weakened by our sin nature. The word flesh is actually, I think, better translated here, sinful nature. God did what, this is what God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin, Paul says later in Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? And so Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. What is condemned? sin, not you, right? This is the work of God. And so Jesus condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us because God was not going to give up his righteous requirement. He just needed it to be met, and it was met by Christ. Is fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you are in Christ, if you have placed your faith in Christ, you now live according, aligned with the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires or the sinful nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, right? The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh or sinful nature is hostile to God. It's in rebellion to God. It doesn't know it needs God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It's incapable. Be careful what requirements you're putting on somebody who can't keep it apart from the Spirit of God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the realm of the sinful nature, still mastered by sin, cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. 
if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Because when you became a Christian, and we've talked about this, I believe this, when you place your faith in Christ, in that moment, the Spirit comes and lives in you. You are now in the realm of the Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, you're still living in this in-between time. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, this is, is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. You too will experience resurrection. You too will live forever. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. It is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What is your primary resource for life? The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. How do we put to death the misdeeds of the body? How do we put to death sin? How do we put to death those idols that you've been naming in the study, right? The Spirit. Verse 5 holds a clue that I think is helpful or was helpful to me as I was studying this. Verse 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. But, as I was studying this, this is more literally, would be more literally translated, if it were translated word for word, it would be translated this way. Those being according to the Spirit. Those being according to the Spirit. Basically, those who are in the Spirit. Those who live according to the Spirit. Those being according to the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. Subtle, but it's significant, right? Because even for us, we know that word mind has multiple uses, right? There is the noun. Let's say I was not great in any subject, English or math, but so the mind, it's a sad day, but um, the mind, our mind is this thing with which we think, right? And of course, Paul mentions it over and over again. How do we think? Because how we think is how we live, right? But the mind, the word mind can also be a verb. If you're in London, Mind the gap, right? Mind, be aware of the space between the platform and the train. Or mind your mother, right? Follow your mother. Align yourself with your mother. Obey your mother. Be led by your mother. So these two uses of that word mind are kind of what I want to use to guide us uh, as we dive into this subject this morning. If we're going to change, I think we need to think about these two things. One, being mindful of the Holy Spirit, 
thinking upon, using our mind to think upon the Spirit, to know Him, to think truths about Him. And then secondly, I think we need to be minding the Spirit, just like we need to mind our mother. We need to be aware of, we need to be led by. So hang with me on that use of that word. The first being being mindful of the Holy Spirit, thinking about Him. Who is He and where is He? I want to live my life knowing who the Holy Spirit is and knowing where the Holy Spirit is, okay? So the first is this, hopefully if you had a chance to do your study, and I hope you see that study as not just a doing homework, but it's really an invitation to devotion, a devotional, a time to just be with God. And hopefully as you were doing it, you came to an, a new understanding or a fresh understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, to set your mind upon who he is. This is what we learned in our study. Some of the things, and this is, this is not all that is true of the Spirit, but this is many things, right? So we know this. We know that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is not an it. He is not just a power. He is not just a feeling. He's not just a force. We believe in a God, a triune God. It is one of the unique beliefs of the Christian faith. We believe in a God who is one, and yet he is three. He is three persons, and yet he is one essence. It's a mystery, and I can't explain it to you, Uh, but I know it to be true, and it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Paul says, In Romans 8, remember, he says the Spirit of Christ. He says the Spirit of God. He says the the, the Spirit. He seems to be, they're interchangeable, but not interchangeable. I mean, they, they anyway, it's a mystery. But there is, there's this truth that he is God, and, and I love this, that he only speaks what he receives from Jesus, right? We learned that. The Holy Spirit only speaks what he receives from Jesus, and we know this of Jesus, that he says he only speaks what he hears from the Father, and he only does what the Father tells him to do. And so what we see in this dance of the Trinity is we see the Spirit only doing what the Son tells him to do, and the Son only speaking what the Father tells him to speak, and the Father giving glory to the Son, and, and it's just a beautiful expression of our God. The Spirit is a Spirit who gives. He gives peace. He gives life. He gives joy. He gives power. The Holy Spirit has desires, remember? That that we want to desire what the Spirit desires. This tells us that He's a person. He's not just a force or a power. Forces and powers don't have desires. Holy Spirit is knowable. The Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. That was his role in our salvation. That was one of his roles. He raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit leads God's children. He works from relationship, within relationship. The Holy Spirit brings about our adoption as God's children. We're going to talk more about that next week. 
The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you need some help? Do you have a weakness? The Holy Spirit is our helper. I love, we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Are you afraid? Do you know that the Spirit is praying for you? Are you anxious? Do you know that the Holy Spirit, who is God, prays perfectly for you? Are you unsure of how to pray? The Holy Spirit joins you and comes alongside you and even helps us in our prayers as he prays with us. It's why we pray in community. There's something that happens there. We pray in the community of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He defends us. He goes up for us. He he stands in the gap, if you will, between the enemy and and the Father, and He advocates for us. He testifies that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of truth. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He brings conviction. That's why shame is not of God but guilt can be. (laughs) Guilt is a gift if you see it rightly. You see, shame says I'm bad. Guilt says I've done something bad and I need to correct it. I need to say I'm sorry. I need to do it different. That's a gift. That's a grace, right? The Holy Spirit transforms us. We know this because he is the one who produces the fruit of the Spirit. He changes our character. We'll talk more about that. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's all these things and so much more. And where is the Spirit? Where is He? There is the realm of the Spirit. The realm of God. Of course, the Spirit is everywhere. He's with us. But He's also in us. Paul says, the Spirit is in me. If you are a believer in Christ, the Spirit is in you. God himself, verse 9, the Spirit of God lives in you. Verse 11, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If something is in me, I cannot get away from it, right? If it's with me, I can run. If, If it's with me, I can dodge, But if it's in me, I cannot escape. We cannot escape the Spirit. He is in us. He is peace and He is life. And He is for us. And it is such gospel good news that that Spirit is in me. And so we want to be mindful of that. We want to think upon that. We want to give our attention to this truth of who the Spirit is and where the Spirit is. And then, knowing these truths, we want to mind the Spirit, right? We want to obey Him. We want to listen to Him. We want to be led by Him. 
Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, and we want to mind what He desires. We want to live in what He desires. This minding, as I mentioned, begins with our thinking. It's how we live. If you believe something, you will live according to it. If you think that fist is coming at you, you will flinch. And a lot of us are flinching at lies that we believe. We're hiding because of lies that we believe. Many of us can say good and right and truthful things about God. But then, I I remember when I was in a depression, um, (laughs) and I was, ugh, we do not want to go back there. It was ugly. Anyway, I did stupid things. I said stupid things. I felt stupid things anyway. And I remember saying to a friend of mine, my body is betraying me because it was revealing what, what I really believed, what I really was thinking, where I really was stuck, right? If I think I'm condemned, I will live as a condemned person. I will live in a self-made prison of fear, shame, doubt, defensiveness, self-pity, anger, rage, passivity, whichever place you go, right? Tim Keller says this, he says, your life is shaped by whatever preoccupies your mind. Woo! (laughs) Your life is shaped by whatever preoccupies your mind. That's one of those things that helps us reveal our idols, right? Whatever's preoccupying my mind is taking a place in my life that has become a God to me. I bow down to it. I live by it. I worship it. So, we must consciously set our mind upon what the Spirit desires and mind what He desires, obey and follow. So what does the Spirit desire? I'm sure there's a, we could come, this would be a kind of a cool study to do on your own. What does the Spirit desire? We know that what the Spirit desires replaces death with life. So He desires life. We know that He replaces fear with peace. We know that the Spirit desires what Jesus desires, who desires what the Father desires. But one clue we have is the fruits of the Spirit, right? Or the fruit of the Spirit, better. It's how it says in Scripture, and this is good to know because all of these elements make one fruit. You don't get to pick one, right? So we know that the Spirit desires love, We know that the Spirit desires joy. Are you curmudgery? Are you kind of not fun? (laughs) Call upon the Spirit. (laughs) He desires joy. He desires peace. He desires patience. He desires kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And he desires all of those things, again, the fruit of the Spirit. Because here's the thing, you can't just be, well, I, I'm, I do love, but I don't do patience. Because you can't love without patience. 
And you can't be just like, I like goodness, but I'm not really self-controlled. Probably need all of that. So anyway, that's a whole other study. But minding the Spirit, what is it? What does that even mean to mind, to obey, to be led by? Well, one, one, one thing that was helpful to me in my early Christian life was somebody who helped me understand life in the Spirit as yielding to the Spirit. And for some reason, hopefully this helps you too, but it was a language that helped me because I knew that when I came to faith in Christ, I hadn't been given the Spirit. So it wasn't that I was trying to get more of the Spirit, more of the Spirit, more of the Spirit, but I was, as that quote in your book says, I I needed the Spirit to get more of me. I needed to yield myself to Him. Ephesians 5 Paul says this, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And this was where this mentor of mine kind of took me and said, you know, when we are drunk with wine, we're yielded to the control of the wine, right? And so the language here and the word that Paul uses for filled is a word of continual, keep being filled. So we know that's not the one time that the filling of the Spirit that comes, where the Spirit comes to live in me. So it, it, it's got to be something a little bit different, and, and it's this idea, and I think, again, this is helpful, that so don't be drunk with wine, be, keep on being filled. Always be f- being filled with the Spirit. Always be yielding yourself to the Spirit. Always be giving yourself over to the control of the Spirit. And so what I want to do for us this, um, this morning, in a sense, is I just want to give us an opportunity for, to pray for the filling, the yielding of ourselves to the Spirit. Does that make sense? We know that we have the Spirit. He is in us. He didn't leave us. He doesn't come and go. I, I, I really think, especially you can even look again at Romans 8, Romans uh, 6, the Spirit is in us. So what, what we're being invited to is a, a giving over of ourself to him. And I think sometimes what happens in the church is we're, we're trying to get him because we're really not seeing him as, a, we're seeing him as a force, a power, or something. But the invitation is, oh, Spirit, have more of me, right? How can the Holy Spirit have more of me? Well, he can have more of us when we yield ourselves to him, right? When we submit ourselves to him. So if you'll indulge me, I just want to walk us through a prayer. And you might just um, put your hands, palms up in an invitation of have me, take me. And first, I would just invite you, would you just quietly, silently acknowledge the Spirit in you? Be fully present to the Spirit who is fully present with you. Just acknowledge Him. And now take a moment to maybe confess the things that hinder you from yielding to the Spirit. 
maybe the barriers to letting him have more of you. It might be a confession of a sin that comes to mind. It might be a confession of a doubt, a fear, or just a need to control your own life. And now would you just listen for the nudges of the Spirit, perhaps Scripture that He would bring to mind to you. And just invite Him, Holy Spirit, what area of my life are you inviting me to yield to you anew today? might be an area of your work. It might be your relationships. It might be a family situation. Maybe it's a hope or a dream that you've been holding on to. Listen for his invitation and then yield. Then just give it to him. And now receive his delight in you. Receive his love for you. Receive the power that he has placed in you, that he who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Receive his help. Receive his guidance. Receive the truth that he wants to illuminate to you. And my encouragement is to make this a daily practice. Bill Bright, who was the founder of Camps Crusade for Christ, when he talked about the Holy Spirit and this yielding to the Spirit, he would talk about what he called spiritual breathing. And I've found it to be a helpful exercise in my life. And he would talk about um, that what we do is that we exhale we exhale the sin we exhale the idols we exhale the fears we exhale the desire to take control of our own life we just we exhale the pride the self-pity 
And then we inhale the presence of the living God, the Holy Spirit in us. We exhale a sin and we inhale his presence. We exhale an idol and we inhale the power of the Spirit. We exhale a temptation or a fear and we inhale the leadership of the Spirit. Let that be a practice you take with you today. In your car, walking down the street, maybe even in a conversation, you can just kind of quietly do it. You don't have to be, you know, <laughs> but freak anybody out. But just to exhale and then to inhale the truth the reality of God in you. Oh, Father, we do that now. We just exhale. Maybe even we're exhaling our fears of the study of the Spirit or the can I do this thing and all the blah. We just exhale that. Am I doing it right? We exhale doing it right. And we inhale your presence. We inhale the leadership of the Spirit. And we sit with that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and oh, the beautiful, powerful, glorious Holy Spirit. Amen.